0: You've probably got a whole bunch of habits that you do throughout your daily life that you don't even realize that you're doing. That you you find help, you know, just in running your life, but also feeling emotionally secure. That we may not have strategically set up to make us feel good, but do have an important role in our lives to to make us feel uh, safe and connected and in control and all of those things.
1: What? Wait a minute. I have habits that I'm not aware of and these are helping me just get through life? Hmm. If I'm not aware of them, does that mean that right now when all our routines are a bit jumbled up, I could be accidentally breaking them, which might then throw me into some sort of chaos? Well, if you ask clinical psychologist David Backer, which I did, it's definitely something we should keep an eye on. Hey, I'm Penny Terry, and just like you, I'm trying to get through this pandemic the best way I can. And on this episode of HealthSpeak, we're going to learn about our habits, how we make them or break them, and what sort of things might be happening to those crucial ones we need as we try and live through this pandemic. Let's get back to David.
0: So, if you start to break those habits and replace them with uh, unhelpful ones, like the habit of um, getting out of your bed, you know, five minutes before you're meant to start work, keeping your pajamas on, going to the computer, starting some work, and then um, at some point turning work off and going watching Netflix. Now, that sounds really lovely for a little bit, but... If you do that for a long time, you're probably going to miss out on a lot of other things that you were doing before, like exercise and like connecting with friends and just having that just one-on-one, maybe not even one-on-one, but in-person social interaction.
1: Whew. I can understand how that would be easy to fall into, even if it's not the pyjamas to work thing, but other unhelpful habits that have snuck up on us. Talking to David helped me to understand how easy it is to start stopping doing those little things that help us get on with life. And it's not like we plan it, but maybe we need a plan to fix it. David's got some tips and even some apps that might make up part of our plans, which we'll get to. But first, perhaps we should pull together a bit of a list of those habits that have changed for us since March. The helpful ones... And the unhelpful ones, perhaps there are habits around exercise?
2: I didn't exercise. I, without the envi- this environment, yeah, I, I don't cope um, and I can't exercise at home alone.
1: Do a lot of walking and gardening. So they were good habits? Good habits. I didn't have any. So you have any bad habits? How did you go with habits around food? Bad habits? Cheese. And, and the second one? Cheese. And the third one? Wine. <laughs> mhm. That's a very familiar habit around the nighttime routine. How about the morning time routine?
3: Get up and get dressed. Um, put on some nice clothes, and that helps. So once once you start there, those people, you know, just having a pajama day, really, but that's just not motivating. So you, you just start getting up and getting dressed like you are about to go out, and you do get that um, that
1: positive feeling. Yeah, that positive feeling, it's a ripper. I also get, though, that in some cases, a positive feeling might not be enough of a reward to help us create the habits we want around work or screen time or family time. So what do we need to know to make the good habits stay and the bad ones leave? Another familiar voice from last episode is Caroline Thane. Caroline is a mental health clinician who says if we want to form or maintain good habits, we do have to have a look at the reward loop.
3: So when we think about a habit, it can be helpful to think about three parts of a habit. So a habit's formed through a cue in your environment, the actual routine, and then a reward. So sometimes it can then be tricky to, I guess, change Um, behaviours or habits because of that reward loop and I think the ones that have been rewarding have I think for a lot of families been connection so for us as a family we listen to a little um, kids podcast news podcast because that way I know my kids are getting the right information that's age appropriate but it's also this nice time that we come together and we're connected so my reward loop is definitely binging binging. I don't know if that's a word. (laughs) That'll do. (laughs) My reward center is definitely buzzing. Um, And that has actually continued for us. And it's just happened quite organically because of the reward loop. Mm. Um, I think that's what, you know, when we think about keeping up habits in COVID-19, it can be tricky when that reward loop is not as obvious. So, you know, it's easy for some to walk into a shop and forget to put on the hand sanitizer. Because there's not an immediate reward loop. However, if you think about it in terms of, again, keeping yourself safe and others safe, that's the bit we have to remind ourselves because that's the reward.
1: But it's hard because we can't see it. The nice smelling hand sanitizer does it for me. Oh, nice. Instant yes. reward.
3: Yes. Oh, I like that.
1: So, what's got your reward loop binging? Don't suppose it's exercise. And I know that even saying that word can bring the guilt on some of us. For some people, when you find yourself in the situation where the only reason you're allowed out of your house is to do some exercise, this might have been enough to create some good habits. But for others, if your gym closed, footy training was off the cards and your group program stopped, it could be tricky to find something else to replace it or to start it up again when the opportunity came about. And for others, it might just not be a priority. Kylie Moore and Damon Sheriff run Sheriff Health and Fitness, which delivers all sorts of exercise classes in northern Tasmania. And they've seen just what COVID can mean. Plus, they know personally what can help and what doesn't.
2: I was morbidly obese. I had a lot of chronic pain for about 20 years. I was on a lot of medication. Um, I wasn't in a good way. Orthopedic surgeon said, "If you don't do something in five years, you're going to be in a wheelchair." Um, so that was a big wake-up call. Also, I had really young children. I had them in my 30s, and I thought, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to be one of these old people." when I'm in my 40s, you know, <laughs> and not being able to run around after my children. So I started making some life changes. And then I met Damon, who's right into his fitness. Um, and I started doing the the fitness as well. And it's just been, it's, it's been great, like, what it does for your mind, um, just your emotional well being. People often say, Oh, why do you do that? And well, because I'm going to live longer or if something happens to me, I'm going to survive it better. You know, they're the reasons why, why we do it. Um, and it's that social aspect as well. So coming along and meeting people at the group, is, it's great. I'd imagine it wasn't all great
1: though, starting those healthy habits of starting exercise. And I'm wondering if Damon's going to dob you in here. Um, What what did you find the hardest in creating the habits? And maybe your clients have got insights about this too.
2: Yeah, so for me, I can't do anything on my own. I'm not a sociable person, but I need a group to exercise with. People often feel a bit self-conscious about doing the group exercise thing. I know I did. But the fact is, I need a group of people there to keep me motivated and keep me going and and almost pushing me, if you like. Um, If I'm at home doing it alone, I'll be like, oh, you know what, I need to do that washing or, you know what, that favourite TV show's on, so I'll just sit down and do that instead. Or you just don't push yourself as hard. So coming to the group, it's a great way to actually get in, commit and do it. And it's not as intimidating. Everybody feels intimidated when they first start to do it or think about doing it. But you find once you get there, it's not intimidating at all. It's actually really great. It's so positive. Everybody's really supportive. Everybody sort of motivates each other. So without it, you don't do it. Well, I don't anyway. (laughs) During COVID, did your clients tell you anything about the habits that they dropped or
1: perhaps the bad habits that they started?
2: Ah, yeah. A lot of them sort of stopped doing everything, basically. Um, they were mainly the ones that didn't have access to the internet um, also because they, they weren't allowed out, they weren't allowed to socialise, so they sort of sort of sat at home and did nothing. Most of them, though, come back really quickly, like they were onto it straight away. Some of them haven't come back. Exercise and being active is one of those things where sometimes if you stop... It's, it's really hard to come back to, so it's always better to keep going, even if you're not doing a lot, just to sort of keep doing stuff. Uh, some of them kept doing things, though. They, Whether it was our classes on Zoom or it was something else, some of them, you know, did their daily walks, took the dog for a walk. Some of them took up, you know, running or, you know, riding their bike. All these things were free. They didn't cost them anything. They were allowed to do them, so they formed some new habits. Some of them spent more time in the garden, so, you know, there's all these different habits that they did form. Have you got any tips or tricks on how to get back, how to go back and just come
1: along to that first class again or go for that first run, put your sneakers on, get out the
2: door? Well, for those people that have done it before, I always say, think about how good you felt when you were doing it. We have some things where people will actually pay in advance and they say to me, if I pay you now, <laughs> it means I have to come. Different things work for different people. Making sure you got friends so you can't counsel on them. Um, set a schedule. Like, uh, you know what, I'm just going to set 30 minutes or an hour or, you know, twice a week I'm going to do this. Like, it's not that much time out of your life to actually improve your life. And when you get here, it goes so quickly and it's like, oh, awesome. But you just feel so much better, yeah.
1: Are you in? Has Kylie convinced you with Damon there supporting in the background? Wherever you're at with it, perhaps there's something in there for your habit plan around exercise. Or maybe it can just be a good reminder. Right, let's move on to food. If the habits you want to change are about food, what should we put in our plan? Nyree Hobbins is a dietitian who works mostly with older people and she said one of the great things she's noticed during COVID is that people were almost forced into sourcing their food more locally, which often led them to places like markets or even gardens and fresher, less processed options. But for others, it was pretty easy to, well... Just eat toast.
4: There's good habits and bad habits. So one of the things that happens is we have, you know, a lot of people have moved into the comfort food, and that's absolutely fine. We need to maintain our souls as much as we need to maintain our bodies and brains during this time. And so for some people, a little bit of comfort food makes a big difference. But what I try to say to people is think about, What that is, two things. If you're going to go for, um, say, toast, I like toast. Um, People love toast, but if you're going to have tea and toast, the problem is that you don't get good protein from that. And as people get older, they need really good protein at each meal. So have your toast, but think about a way to put a lot extra protein into it. So either you put peanut butter and you put a lot of peanut butter, nice and thick, or cheese, or you have, you know, a boiled egg with your toast, or if you can't cope with that, if you really desperately want your Vegemite, that's fine. So have a a coffee and throw a couple of big spoonfuls of, say, skim milk powder or something. So you're boosting up the protein in the drink you have with your tea. For older people particularly, and I'm talking about people say 60s, mid-60s on particularly, it's really important to always get a protein in every meal. So thinking about your opportunities to have that is one thing. So you find your protein foods and you add them onto your toast or you you make sure they're beside that at least in the
1: meal or you have a piece of cheese with your toast on the side. Is there kind of an easy guide so we can work out when we're shopping or when we are preparing meals, what is protein? So so the
4: sort of foods that are protein foods, all animal foods pretty much, meat, fish, chicken, cheese, any dairy product is protein. When you come to dairy foods, the more water you have in something, the more it dilutes the protein. So, for example, dried milk, of course, is very high protein. You come to cheese, which is a little got a little bit more water, that's high protein. Yogurt has got good protein, but it's got a bit more water. So it's a bit diluted. And then milk itself has good protein again, but it's got a bit more water again. So all the dairy foods have got protein, all the meats, all the fish, all the chicken, eggs. And then the vegetable protein foods are soy foods, um, that corn product, which is actually a mushroom type food. Lentils and chickpeas and all those beans, nuts and seeds, all those things contain protein. So when it comes to body weight, when you're younger, it's very important to stay as lean as you can and to build up muscle and to be as active as possible. And certainly when you're older, it's important to continue to have good muscle. But in fact, having a little bit of extra body weight is beneficial when you're older. When you're beyond 70, that's actually better for you. It's a prevention against frailty, basically, having just a little, you know, not being quite so worried. And and when I say those things, because it reassures people they love it. So
1: then they actually go, right, okay, I can do this. You know, and that's the important thing. I, think. I was going to say everyone under 70 is going, oh, they're the habits that I can form, but I'm not allowed to do yet. Oh. <laughs> uh, if there's one life skill that you want people to have during a pandemic, as we continue to live through a pandemic, um, beyond learning how to wash your hands properly or put on a mask, what what is it?
4: Hmm.
1: I think it's learning that resilience,
4: looking back to what your grandparents did if you're younger or your parents if you're sort of somewhere a bit older, or whatever, looking back at what they might have had to do to actually get by. You have to um, make do with things if you can't get out and about and get the food you want. Um, we You know, lots of nurseries sold out of seedlings very early. You should all be harvesting those foods now. And you don't have to have a whole pile of vegetables that look like they come out of a supermarket. aisle necessarily chop up little bits and pieces of things into anything you've got. Like if you've got some kale growing or some spinach growing or some, when the broccoli starts to go to seed those flowers taste really good and they're just as good to eat so that resilience of sort of looking at that and if you've had some seedings they're looking a bit funny you can eat the whole thing it doesn't have to be what looks what comes to you in the fruit and veggie aisle it 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 can be anything and even a small amount of those things so finding that sort of way and experimenting with a few old-fashioned recipes or Just experimenting with different ways of throwing things together. That's that's what I think people have learned in this time and I think I hope that they'll continue to learn because I think it's really, really beneficial. It makes you feel good when you go, oh I've made that.
1: Yeah, I get that. How's about that dairy food protein hack? More water, less protein. So easy. So here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'll use the veggies from the garden and I'll cook everything from scratch, nothing from a packet. Or will I? I've made that promise to myself heaps of times. I've even written the shopping list, I've bought the food, which then went off in the fridge. I've planted the garden that I then don't pick. How do we make these habits stick? Well, I've got a guy for that. Yep, it's time to bring back David, the clinical psychologist that you met at the beginning of the episode, where we learned that heaps of the habits we've got, we're not even aware of them. And I wonder if becoming aware is the first step.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Absolutely. I think becoming aware is the first step in any sort of change. And as a psychologist, when I see clients, uh, the first few sessions are basically just... Just developing a picture of that of that person's world, and reflecting back to them, and helping them reflect on their own life, um, the things that they do regularly as habits or routines. So, so you start to develop that picture, and and then you start to understand how those habits and routines impact their feelings, and you also start to understand what sorts of thoughts and beliefs might underpin some of those habits and routines. So, yeah, is is it important to go for a walk or is there a belief that, you know, other people can be judgmental so it's important to keep ourselves safe away from those people and away from their judgments? Or is there a thought there um, that that work is one of the most important things in their life so they devote a lot of time to work um, but they don't necessarily prioritize other parts of their life like their friends or their family or stuff like that. So, yeah, it's surprising how much stuff we actually do that we're not at all aware of or reflecting on or, yeah, knowing that could be having a good or a bad impact on our life. That's
1: exactly what I'm worried about right now. <laughs> my anxiety levels about what my habits might be, I think, have just risen. But what, what, what are the tips in recognising and, I guess, you said writing these things down? How do we go about that?
0: Yeah, well, that process of self-reflection is going to be really important. You can do that a number of different ways. I mean, you can self-reflect just by talking to someone about what's going on. Um, That's what we often do with our friends and partners and family and stuff. But there might be an even better way of um, self-reflecting by keeping a diary of the sorts of things that you do, but also maybe even keeping a diary of a journal of the way that you feel over time. So you might be able to see that, when you do go for a walk or a run, uh, you feel pretty good for like the next couple of days. But when you when you work long hours until, you know, seven o'clock at night, then that might have an impact on the way, on how stressed or anxious you feel for the rest of the week. Um, all of those sorts of insights can be gained through a process of journaling or, or using an app um, can, be, can be a great place to start.
1: Are there some particular apps that you'd recommend with um, creating good habits?
0: Yeah, so for good habits, there's a whole bunch of apps out there. One that I would particularly recommend for young people or for people who are into, like, video games where you, like, battle dragons and stuff like that is called Habitica. And it's also available on computer. So if you just have a computer, then that's fine. But basically, that's a great app for making a whole bunch of daily habits that you do, but also like um, just habits that you might do from time to time. And then also having a to do list. And then as you complete those habits or those daily tasks, then you get little rewards for your little character. So Habitica is a great one, but there are also a whole bunch of other apps that are based more around the idea of completing streaks of, so like not breaking the chain, trying to do the same thing every single day. And so there's an app called Streaks, which I believe is available just on Apple, but there are also a whole bunch of apps that, you know, iOS and Android that do a similar thing. And it's just basically a checklist that repeats every single day, but it's a nice way to reflect on whether you've managed to do that thing every day or whether you've had a bit of a lapse here and there or starting small is a good place to go though as well so like just picking like one or two things that you want to start every day if you put like six things like you know go for a run and like you know paint the house and like if you you put all these really big things in there it's going to be you can't you're not going to be able to like achieve them
1: well just on that what do we know about how long it does take to either form or break a habit
0: A rule of thumb is about a month, but it really varies depending on how many rewards and types of reinforcement you're using. Um, You know, if you've you've got a partner who's like a really like uh, diligent, organised person and you ask them to remind you every single day, then it might be much easier to adopt a new habit. But if you don't use a diary and if you don't give yourself a little bit of reinforcement after you've done the done the thing, if you don't set up the systems around you to keep that habit going, then it may take much longer. It might take a couple of months. And there might be lapses here and there where, you know, you go away on holiday and you stop doing those meditations or you you stop writing your journal. And then when you come back from holiday, you just don't start it again because you didn't put, you know, you're not in the habit of doing it. It's, it's an ongoing process, maybe even like every week or every few days, just checking in with yourself and seeing if there's any sort of systematic um, reinforcements that you can put back in place.
1: That idea of having reinforcements or rewards uh, for when you do maintain a habit, what are some good ways to get reinforced or to reward yourself if you do do the thing?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people just go straight to chocolate I think I think that's
1: used (laughs) quite often
0: absolutely yeah 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 so another sort of reinforcement you might use apart from food would be praise
1: did you see how good I am I did the washing up for the third time today
0: in a row and then the other person being like oh yeah nope very very well done absolutely is that what I meant to say
1: (laughs) I see you I know you validation
0: Or you can be able to, um, you know, praise yourself, like give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back. So a- another little psychological strategy that, that we help people often with is making a list of the three things that you've done well in the day or, or just three things, not, not the three things. And so if you're able to praise yourself for doing those three things, three habits then you can feel a little sense of re- achievement and uh, reward about yourself and feel like you've got a bit more self-esteem. So, so yeah, food, praise. There's lots of uh, evidence to show that if you put really powerful um, dissuasion tactics in there as well, that that, that can help. So uh, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean punishments. So, for example, some people who really want to quit smoking decide that they will pledge, like, a decent sum of money to an organisation that they really hate if they (laughs) start smoking again. So there was a lady who in the United States quit smoking by telling herself that every time she had a cigarette she would donate $10 to the Ku Klux Klan. And, she, and she, she held herself to that commitment. Like, you know, she told her friends and family, like, if you catch me smoking, tell me that I have to pay the money. Um, and she stopped. Like, cold turkey never went back because it's, it's such a powerful emotional tool, like the disgust that you might feel about, about donating money to a cause that you really don't agree with uh mm. is, is very powerful motivator and and it might start to be paired to the behaviour that you want to stop doing. So mm. every time you go to you know reach for the cigarettes, you feel that pang of, oh like oh, that really that really doesn't sit well with me on a moral level and you put the cigarettes away. So so any any little strategies you can find.
1: Right. So we've got a few jobs, don't we? But as David says, let's not try to do them all at once. Perhaps if we spend just one minute at the end of this episode thinking about the three things we've done well in the day. And look, if that's not smoking or not wearing your pyjamas to work, well done you. But if it's having cheese on your toast, well done also. And if it's subscribing to this podcast or leaving us a review, gold star. That is a habit that I want to see more of. Something that I do make a habit of is letting you know what's on the next episode. Here's a
0: clue. It's when you're dropping into the coffee shop and and smiling and having that exchange with someone. So it's the regularity of that contact. And perhaps going beyond the smile and saying, how's your day? How are you going? And I know at the local cafe that that's happened for me. And now I pop in and I'm I'm the regular, and I'm like, oh, how did the, you know, how did that workout go that you were telling me about yesterday morning? And are you going to keep going with that gym membership? And you and then you get that extra depth with the relationship, and that brings quality.
1: Yeah. Next episode, we're going to talk about social distancing and how to live well and stay connected despite all the rules. We are all skilling up together here on HealthSpeak thanks to Bell Bay Aluminium via the Georgetown Council as part of the Healthy Georgetown Project.